everyone, and welcome back to HOA, It's a True Story. Today, we are talking about managers' pet peeves with Julia Souza of Alliance Management. Thank you for joining us today, Julia. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So tell me all of the different types of manager management positions you have held, and then what was your favorite and why? Oh, gosh. I have been around for a long time, and so I've pretty much done just about everything you can do in Homeowners Association Management. I started out working for a small company, two brothers called the DiGennaro Brothers in Oakland, and I managed their Section 8 housing and a couple of homeowners associations that they had in 1986. And then um, from there, I went to portfolio management at Massingham and Associates. Um, kudos to Sharon Massingham, the best mentor I've ever had. And um, from there, did commercial management for quite a while, have done on-site management, and then did executive management as vice president for one of the, the largest management companies in our area. Well, nice shout out to Sharon. She's a friend of mine, too. And uh, I have to agree with you. A great lady. I love her. And so now I just have, I've kind of stepped back from hands-on management and I'm just doing a training and education on a consulting basis. And I really, really dig in it. So what of those uh, positions was your favorite and why? I'm thinking like there's such a big difference between commercial and say portfolio. Yeah. You know, I will say that I loved the on-site management stuff. That was really a lot of fun. But my very, very favorite position was when I was vice president at First Service Residential. We just had such an amazing team. Locally, our team was fantastic. And then I got to work with Natalie Valdez, who's the vice president in San Francisco. Teresa Ostrander was vice president in San Ramon. And we just had a dream team. We had a blast. And so those a little over three years that I was there in that position was the highlight of my career. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And again, amazing team. Well, that's a lot of different responsibilities for sure. But yeah. what do you think is the HOA's perception of managers? Well, unfortunately, I think that sometimes managers are seen as the bad guy. Managers probably, in most instances, do not get the kudos and even respect that they, that they should. Um, and I really think it's very dependent on the different elements, who's involved in, in the association and the kind of tone that they're setting. So if a board member or board members are kind with their manager and respectful of them, typically that sets the tone for the community and, um, and then managers are treated very kindly and with respect. Um, however, if they're not treated very kindly, then a lot of times homeowners kind of fall in stuck with that. And so it really, really just depends on the environment that managers are working in. Sometimes when we see boards, you know, that are at conflict with mm -hmm. each other, you're right. It sets the tone for the whole association. They all seem to be suspicious of each other. Right. Um, you know, more combative with the vendors. So I, I have to agree with you that it does seem to really set a tone for the mm. community in which they live. Now, we're, we're talking about pet peeves today. So what are the expectations by the board that is a pet peeve for managers? This is such a great question. 
<laughs> there are, I mean, we could talk about this all day, um, you know, because it really does, again, it just depends on, on the board of directors. One of the things I think that is maybe the biggest pet peeve is that managers are expected to be available 24-7. So emails returned over the weekends, text messages to managers from board members on the weekend or on evenings, just a, a lack of recognition of the importance of work-life balance can be a little tough for managers. And I, I really think that that might be one of the top pet peeves. The other is I think that managers are supposed to just kind of take it. Like, they're just supposed to have these thick skins, and, you know, uh, I'll tell you personally, one of the hardest things for me was doing something at the direction of the board of directors and being the person to expect to take the full heat of the consequences of that decision. So maybe being in a board meeting where homeowners are angry about something that management did on the board's request and the board of directors just sitting there quietly and letting the managers just get plummeted. So kind of a lack of partnership sometimes can be a little tough on managers. I think that's a pretty big pet peeve, right? Because we're supposed especially, to be working yeah, as a team. Sure. And yeah. especially if they're a newer manager, conventional level, and they're trying to, you know, come into the industry and they're at the low end of the pay scale already. And then they're getting in there <laughs> and kind of getting hammered on unknowingly that they're going to have to be this thick skinned kind right. of person you mentioned. I yeah. imagine that's probably pretty blindsiding for a few of them. Yeah. You know, what I would say is that it's not fair. And it's, I think that sometimes you walk out of a meeting going, what just happened? Like, how did that just happen? Right? <laughs> it's, so, it's a little head spinning. Yeah. So do you think then that there's expectations that the managers themselves place on themselves? Oh, absolutely. You know, I got to tell you that one of the things that I actually, I was just talking to two brand new managers yesterday at the CAL golf tournament that we were at. And we were talking about the expectations that you put on yourselves. And they said, what is your best advice that you have for us? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, I bet, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning is you pick up your phone and check your emails. And the last thing you do before you go to bed is you pick up your phone and check your emails. And they said, we do. We always do. One of them said, I walk in the door at night, I kiss my kid, and I go upstairs and I respond to emails. Well, managers should not put those expectations on themselves. They should set the expectation with the board of directors that you work Monday through Friday unless there's an emergency and enjoy your life. Do not think that your life, personal life, is not as important than your work life. As a matter of fact, it's way more important, right? And so um, a lot of times managers get caught on that hamster wheel of always being on the clock. Um, and gosh, managers, you, you got to stop it because your responsibility really to yourself, your health, and to the well-being of you and your family and your relationships, it's not to the clients that, that you serve. Although I want you to be a great manager. I do. I just don't want you to do it at your own expense. So talking about emails, do you think that the managers really have an obligation to answer them promptly? I, I mean, you said they should put their families first, which I completely agree. Mm -hmm. But what would be considered reasonable in that event, right? She just got home from work. Mm -hmm. 
She wants to go kiss her kids, make sure everything's set up at home, but instead she's already addressing emails. What is a reasonable amount of time for a board to expect an answer via email? Well, most management companies have a policy in place as far as what they expect their managers to do and, and how quickly they expect that emails are responded to. The timeline that I've seen most commonly is 24 hours, 24 business hours. And I think that that is really reasonable. I think that managers should kind of browse through their emails a couple of times a day, especially if they're just early slammed, just to make sure that there's nothing that's an emergency, something that needs to be responded to more, more immediately. But I think a 24-hour turnaround is very, very reasonable. I do hear from managers that the reason that they check their emails on weekends and evenings is because when they come back to work on Monday morning, they have, you know, 400, 500, 600 emails. And I know that sounds like I'm over-exaggerating, but I'm actually not. Yeah, I, I do true. have managers that tell me that, and it's kind of nuts. So then you have to kind of, you know, go through your emails, figure out what's most important, pass off some emails to maybe the assistant community manager or whoever your support system is in the office. And man, let your upper management know if you have somebody, one of your clients who's emailing you just repeatedly, then there's a little communication situation that you need to address. We had a client, I had just an amazing, wonderful manager, and we had a client who had sent her 1,200 emails the first three months that we managed from one board member, 1,200 emails. We terminated that client because we went back time again and said, you know, please make your emails succinct. Feel free to pick up the phone. We take direction from the board at board meetings, and this board member just was relentless, and it was unfair to the manager. So there's that. <laughs> but yeah. 24-hour turnaround, I think, is, is absolutely appropriate, and hopefully managers have the bandwidth to be able to do that. Well, and I think that some people are very comfortable hiding behind their email. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they will speak pleasantly to you. They'll write you a nice email and then they'll go behind your back and stab you in the back <laughs> on, on the neighborhood network or whatever those are. Exactly. You know, next thing you know, you're getting just trashed out there and you didn't even know right. it. Well, you know, I think an important, like an important piece of this puzzle with emails is making sure that you set the expectations, right? So your upper management, either the management contract or just via regular communication should be supporting that 24-hour turnaround or whatever the policy is that the company has so that board members know that if you email me, I'm not going to respond to you in the next 15 minutes. So you don't have to email me 15 more times in the next hour because honestly, I, I need 24 hours to respond. <laughs> you know, a lot of what we do in community management isn't just as simple as responding to an email. It's looking up that violation, looking up that late notice, seeing when the landscaping was done last, calling the construction defect attorney to find out where we're at on something. Emails aren't just a, a yes, got it. A lot of times there's some research that you have to do to respond to an email and so it's you know it's not a quick turnaround because well and that that actually leads me right into my next question for you yeah. and that is do you think that boards are trying to constantly ask the manager for legal advice without going to their counsel and you guys are having to constantly go to the counsel to ask so that I feel like they're using managers as a placeholder mm and trying to get it like a free answer 
without, <laughs> right? Absolutely. I think sometimes that's the case. I, you know, I certainly think that uh, maybe a more seasoned manager, somebody who has a lot of confidence in their presentation, probably board members try to rely on them a little bit more heavily for legal advice. The thing that, you know, I talked about setting expectations with emails. I think that's really important as far as legal advice too, if you will. I have been doing this for a very long time and very comfortable navigating discussions about the David Sterling Act and, you know, the whole nine yards. But I always say, I'm not an attorney and I would really, really love it if we could engage your attorney. Can I have permission from you to spend an hour of your attorney's time to make sure that what you are getting is in writing and that it's accurate so you can set policy and follow procedures based on your attorney's opinion and not on your manager's opinion, who is not an attorney. Yeah, and I know from a couple other interviews we've done with some attorneys on this show mm -hmm. that they have had a real uptick in questions and phone calls now that more people are at home mm -hmm. observing more about their community, participating more in their town hall meetings, and these sorts of things, and all right. of a sudden the questions are elevating more frequently. Well, and you know that the climate of homeowners associations has, just like everything else, has changed dramatically since March, right? I mean, we're dealing with, you know, not opening pools, not opening gyms. You know, how do you navigate through delinquencies right now? And so we are relying heavily on our attorneys. And, and I think that it's also really important just to note that the legislation with homeowners associations changes every year. It changes frequently. Fair housing is a big deal. So are homeowners associations in general. There are so many associations in the United States, 33,000 homes. I mean, it's just kind of crazy in California how many people live in homeowners associations. You have to rely on your legal counsel. We can't keep track. We're getting your proposals to trim your trees and to clean your pools, and we're doing your annual meetings, and we're, you know, running your board meetings, and we're working with your contractors and we've got a lot on our plate. We can't take on the responsibility of giving you legal advice to the liability is just too great. And we're not trained to do it. That's right. Yeah. Have you ever been threatened? I have, I know many people, both attorneys, other vendors that have been threatened by people within the industry or, you know, we're out on a property, but have you as the manager ever been threatened by homeowners or board members? You know, I was thinking about this question and I can't recall a time that I was ever like personally threatened to my, I mean, certainly, you know, doing site reviews, people come up and knock on your car window and say, what are you doing here? Right. But I did have a, have a pretty serious incident where it was an on-site manager at a community in the Bay Area. The board president came into our on-site office and said, this guy who is, you know, mentally challenged has threatened that he's going to come into the office with a gun. We need to get the attorney on the phone and, you know, we need to take care of this right away. That's scary. It's a yeah. scary situation. I know a lot of managers who have been threatened. Hopefully, I'm really hoping that management companies have protocols already in place to address situations so that managers feel empowered to not just kind of take it, to go to their upper management or their boards of directors and say, this is what's happening, whether they feel safe or not they should have to or have resources available to handle those threats. It's, it's a scary thing. It can be very scary. In my experience, I think most of the threats that I have seen and witnessed 
-hmm. have been between homeowners within their own association. Yeah. Not so much directed at the manager. That's right. Homeowners and board members. I'll tell you, you know, since we're talking about security, just a little helpful hint. One of the things that was really hard for me personally was when I was managing homeowners associations and board meetings would be over and board meetings would be really contentious and people, you know, could be up in a ruckus and then everybody leaves and it's pitch black outside and I've got to pack up and walk out to my car by myself. Gosh, if there's any advice I can give to anyone, it make sure that you have two people that, at, that leave at the same time from a board meeting. I've heard some pretty scary stories. About that is really great advice, Julia. Yeah. Always yeah. make sure one board member stays behind yes. to get you to your car safely. That's and don't be afraid to ask them, right? Don't be afraid to say, do you mind? It'll take me five minutes to pack my, my things. Do you mind staying? Ask the entire board at the end of the meeting. Is there somebody who will volunteer to stay with me? Because somebody will. I yeah. don't feel like you have to go out by yourself. Your, your safety and security is so much, so much more important than that. That's right. Well, regarding the very fluid vendor-manager relationship, uh, this is always kind of a difficult play because I, I would like to ask, how do we make these authentic mm. and really develop true vendor-manager relationships it seems like things are very superficial mm -hmm. and it seems like a lot of them are not interested in the long-term relationship with the managers only in the right now. What have you got for me now? Mm. And it doesn't set us up for good long-term investment in each other. What do you think? Do you see that out there? Yeah, boy, that's, that's really insightful. Absolutely. I mean, right. I mean, I, I feel blessed to say that I have a lot of our business partners I have great, great friendships with, right? Great relationships with. But I have certainly seen relationships that have quickly dwindled when people have changed their positions, when they right. maybe don't have the pool of resources to give business, if you will, to a vendor. I certainly personally have experienced this myself. And gosh, it's a little hurtful. So here's what I would say about authenticity in our industry. We are in an industry where it's already a little rough. Certainly, the reason people stay in the industry so long is because it's very rewarding. But it also, you know, we, we kind of get, we kind of take it in the chin a lot. And so it's our responsibility to lift one another up. Whether you're a manager or you're an executive, or you're a business owner or a business partner, our responsibility is to be authentic with one another and to build relationships based on the commonality that we're in an industry that serves thousands and thousands of people. And so if you think that taking people out, getting them drunk, right. you know, um, wooing, wooing people through what you give them, opportunities, gifts, whatever, which gifts, by the way, are, we don't take gifts, but you get what I'm saying, yeah. um, the idea of that, then you kind of miss the mark because what we really need is we just need to all be really, really good at what we do so that we can rely on one another when we have a need. For instance, I know who are great attorneys in our area. I know who the great construction companies are. I know who the great painting companies and landscape companies are. And it's not because they took me out and bought me dinner. It's because they serve my clients well. And so right. that's what we need to do. Those are the things that we need to concentrate on. If you 
honestly are giving your business to somebody because they're the ones who treat you better, then you've missed the mark, right? Yes. So, and you know, for a brand new manager coming into the industry, mm -hmm. because let's face it, this industry is growing. It's right. not shrinking. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few in our country that is expanding at a very consistent rate. Mm -hmm. you know, those new managers, if you could tell them, hey, you know, don't engage in gossip, enjoy mm. all the vendors, get to know them all, so you right. can make good educated guests, you know, from based on experience, not mm -hmm. based on, you know, just one night of eating and drinking out or something like that, yeah. right? right. Um, it, you know, what would you tell that new manager, who's obviously getting a lot of really lucrative, fun invitations? <laughs> you know, I think what I would tell them is that, have, you know, have fun because it is a hard industry and it's, and it is nice to have a nice meal. And it's fun to go to games and to interact with people. And I'll tell you what, that, you know, the best way to build your resume, your resume and your network is to get to know, get to know the people in our industry, but also, you know, be really practiced about how you engage with people. The best advice I have for young managers or any manager is that when you are participating in this vendor relationships, whether you're going, whether you're going out to lunch or you're going out to dinner, remember you're on the clock and what you do and what you say and how you behave, how much you eat, drink, you know, gossip, that really is a brand that you're giving yourself and what you should be branding yourself as professional, as somebody who is authentic, somebody who, you know, wants to work really hard and serve their clients well, not the party kid, not the, I've got to be the, the favorite and I want to go to all the games. I'm in it for the, the glory of what you can give me rather than the glory of how well you serve me and my client. That's completely agree with you that they should attend events and they should yes. go out and meet them. They should go to their games and, and mm -hmm. parties that are being hosted so that they can figure out who the people in the industry are. Right. Number one. But yeah, it's a reflection of your company, of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because even if you move to a different company or different yeah. position, you know, and, and you're only known as the party girl or boy, then you're right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it'll transfer with you. Not, right. not the company you were from, so. Right. right. Well, so the name of the show is HOA. It's a true story. And <laughs> I know you have a lot of good stories. So today, I'd like you to share with me your true story. Well, it's so funny because I, I have a couple. I know we talked about me singing one of my songs that I've written for homeowners associations, but I'm going to skip because I just can't come up with one that I want to brand myself with. <laughs> but um, so I've got, you know, I've got a couple. I've got, you know, I had a homeowners association that we had a very active landscape committee and uh, they were just go-getters. And one day I came into work on a Monday morning and they had sent out an email to the entire community, 954 homes in big, bold red letters that said, uh, warning, warning, pompous grass in pool area. And they, it was like this three-page email about the pompous grass in the pool area, right? And how that, how it, how it reseeds itself and it spreads out, and it's just going to cause all of these problems. Well, the pompous grass had been there about twenty-five years. <laughs> this little committee hadn't realized it before that it's trimmed back regularly. 
but it took three months and town hall meetings and newsletter articles and responding to hundreds of emails to tell people pompous grass isn't a big deal. It's really okay, you know? So that's kind of one of my favorite, that's one of my favorite ones, just because it kind of was a, it wasn't at the time, but it's indicative of how, like that telephone, right? That telephone game where somebody says something and before you know it, there's an email going out to 954 homes about pompous hey, grass. Hey, there was a, a pompous area. ass who wrote about <laughs> pompous grass. Right. Yeah. And then my, and then my story about like what we do as young managers, I tell this story because I really, I want, you know, I kind of want to bring home the point of the sacrifices that managers are expected to make. So when I was 27, almost 28, a couple days before my 28th birthday, I went to a, a board meeting. I was a portfolio manager. I was seven months pregnant, hot night in July. And I walk into the board meeting and I just wasn't feeling well. And I said to the, the board of directors, I'm not feeling very well. And they said, that's okay, we'll, we'll be fast. And I said, okay, but I'm not really feeling well. And they said, that's okay, we'll go, through, we'll go really, really quickly. And I said, that's great. Well, about an hour later, I said, I feel like I'm like having contractions. And they said, it's probably just Braxton Hicks's. Just stay, you'll be fine. And finally, I just packed my stuff up and I walked out. Well, I ended up actually going into labor and having my daughter early, but I sat at a board meeting for almost two hours not feeling well and thinking that I got to face this board. I got to stay. I got to get through this meeting, right? So those are the kind of things that as managers and board members, we need to be aware that there's life outside of homeowners associations. Sometimes you just got to pack up your stuff and leave. <laughs> and, and if they do, if you tell somebody I'm not feeling well, heed your own health and go home. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, yeah. Julia, thank you so very much for joining me today and sharing your stories with us on, on It's a True Story. But um, if anybody has any questions or would like yeah. further information or consulting, because mm -hmm. uh, you do consulting, right? Right. Feel free to reach out to us at GB Group. You can do by email inquiry at gbgroupinc.com. Or if you have one of our cards, you can go to our website, call us directly. We will put you in touch with Julia and you can speak with her further on any of these subject matters. So once again, thank you, Julia. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun.